So, 4th of July. It's not often that the 4th of July falls on the Sabbath. I know it does once in a while, but it, here it is. So, 4th of July today, and we're going to be speaking about that, you know, our independence. So, most people, when you think of 4th of July, what is the first word that comes to your mind? Fireworks. Fireworks. <laughs> Anybody else? I mean, I got the answers on the screen. <laughs> Freedom, liberty, independence, independence. Those aren't on this list, though. You know, this Fourth of July is, though it is a little different than most that we think of in the past years, isn't it? There is no doubt that you know. Here we are, July Fourth. We got six months behind us, and I believe though, starting in about February. 2020 has definitely been a trying year, hasn't it? It definitely has been a difficult year. It's been a sad year for many. It's been a challenge in so many ways. You know, typically, 4th of July, we're going to be watching baseball, and you, know, you think of baseball, hot dogs, apple pie, and all that stuff, right? So, but we're not going to have any baseball games today, are we? At least we're not going to turn on and watch Major League Baseball. So, you know, it, this... COVID-19 has changed a lot of things around the world and in our nation. It's made things a lot different. But praise be to God that uh, He is still with us, that He is still in control. Prayerfully that God will use this to draw men and women unto themselves, that they would see that life is fragile and see the desire to come to Him and hopefully have the desire to come to Him. Uh, you know, He's able to take something that will bring... Fear to many and use it to draw them unto himself. That was probably me against my mic. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, we do celebrate and enjoy the freedom. We, we talked about why is uh, our faith so tied with patriotism in our nation. I believe a lot of it is tied to our gratitude to have the freedom to come and worship God. You know, you drive through the cities and neighborhoods all across America, you're going to see Baptist churches, Seventh-day Baptist churches, you're going to see Methodist churches, Catholic churches, uh, Jehovah Witness churches, Mormons, all. You can see them all because we have the freedom to worship God the way we choose. Praise God for the freedom to worship Him. Amen. I know that they really couldn't take that away from us because we can have it in our hearts, but thankfully we can do it openly. And we can do it without fear of the police or the soldiers from coming and, and, and stopping us. And we can go out and witness. So thank God for the freedoms and the liberties that we have in this nation. I thank God for the men and women that had that burning desire. So, you know what, before I begin, again, I'm going to do what I did last week. Would somebody like to open in prayer? A volunteer. Thank you, God, for the freedom. Speak what you have given to our hearts to speak. And we pray that you will be in total control in these next minutes. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Gary. I want to, before I get to the scripture and to the main part, share a little history because, you know, I believe that there are a lot of uh, forces out there that would like to remove our history. And though a lot of our history maybe we shouldn't be proud of, but it's history. We can't remove it. We can't take it away. You know, it's there. But hopefully we could learn from it, right? Amen. 
but I, again, thankful for our nation, thankful for the determination of our founding forefathers. But, so let's look a little bit at that history because maybe they're not getting it in school like they should. From 1774 to 1718, 1789, the Continental Congress served as the government of the 13 colonies and later the United States. The first Continental Congress, which was comprised of delegates from the colonies, met in 1774 in reaction to the coercive actions or acts, a series of measures imposed by the British government on the colonies in response to the resistance to the new tax. In 1775, the Second Continental Congress convened after the American Revolution War had already begun. In 1776, oh, I want to back up. You know, we celebrate on the 4th of July, but they actually voted on July the 2nd. It was made known to the public on July 4th. But in 1776, they took the momentous steps of declaring America's independence from Great Britain. Five years later, the Congress ratified the first national constitution, the Articles of the Confederation, under which the country would be governed until 1789, when it was replaced by the current U.S. Constitution, something we should know and something we should all respect. We should respect our America's Constitution. The first American colonies, of course, planted by the British along North America's Atlantic seaboard. They were organized, staffed, supported as private commercial ventures, not by an imperial plan. For decades after the first colonies were established, the king and the Church of England were very content just to neglect them. They really weren't worried about it. They just neglected them. So, you know, they just figured they're on the other side of the big pond, right? The ocean, the big ocean. So they were largely left to run themselves, to invent their own legal legislatures, to set up churches as they saw fit, and to, own, or to arm their own militias. So they were basically let, left to fend for themselves. But this attitude of neglect, as Robert Walpole called it, persisted from 1607, and the British colonies planted in Virginia and Maine until 1660, when the home government... Great Britain awoke to the startling realization that all those unproductives, that's what they thought of those that came to America, that those unproductives dumped them on America. Well, they turned out to be wonderfully productive. After all, well, Britain woke up to the fact that they were losing income because people were buying stuff made in America. So they were losing income, so they thought they would impose some taxes to help with their income in Great Britain, right? So that's why we oppose the taxes. The most important thing I think of all of the history is that we understand that our founding fathers had the burning desire to govern their own lives, to become their own nation, become their own people, rule their own land, and not be ruled by Great Britain. We must respect the hard work that they put into growing this nation growing this new home of theirs into the greatest nation in the world in such a short period of time. They had the desire to do this without the interference of Britain. So now we'll get to the scripture that I've chose to begin with. You know, there was another nation that was being ruled 
by a nation that they did not want to be ruled by. And we're going to go all the way back to the Old Testament to begin with this morning. In Exodus chapter 1, verses 8 through 14. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, Look, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we are. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And it happened in the event of war that they also join our enemies and fight against us and so go up out of the land. Therefore set taskmasters over them to afflict them with their burdens, and they built for Pharaoh supply cities, Pithon and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew, and they were in dread of the children of Israel. So the Egyptians made the children of Israel serve with rigor, and they made their lives bitter with hard bondage. Bondage. They were enslaved to Egypt. So they served in hard bondage, in mortar, in brick, and in all manner of service in the field. And all their service in which they made them serve was with rigor. You know, when the nation of Israel first went into the land of Egypt, there was peace between them and the nation of Egypt. It was peaceful terms. We know that they were welcomed into Egypt because Joseph, the favorite son of Jacob, who became Israel, was ruler in Egypt. He was second only to Pharaoh. We know the story that Joseph was sold into slavery by his own brothers because of the dreams and visions that he would share with them. And he was taken and, and sold into Pontifer's house and later thrown in prison, spent many years in prison. But because of the ability that God gave him to interpret dreams, God gave Pharaoh a dream. And then the butler remembered and had Joseph brought from prison to inter in interpret the dream for Pharaoh. And he rose. He rose in power. He had Pharaoh's ring and he had all power and authority in Egypt, only second to Pharaoh himself. So Pharaoh entrusted him, but as time went on, Israel, as the Scripture said, began to multiply and multiply. That Pharaoh died. Another one's in power. They forgot about Joseph and forgot about you know, the, all that went on to help preserve Egypt and all the lands around it. So they forgot about it, so they detested the Israelites because they were growing and multiplying in such, such amazing uh, numbers. So they did not, you know, Israel was crying out to God because they were being treated harshly, not like they were when they first went into there. They were in bondage and they longed for freedom. They longed to be able to leave that land. You know, how would you like to wake up every day and be forced to go out and work for a nation where you, you probably received no pay. Probably received no pay because you were basically slaves there. You know, we can't even fathom that in our minds. Because we have the freedom to go out and work at a job that we choose, or we, you know, hopefully find a job that we choose. For us, to, we can't even understand that. We would not like that. We, it would be dreadful to have to do that every day. To have that kind of life. But that's what they were faced with each and every day. So they longed to be set free. They longed for that freedom, freedom like we enjoy today. But they were in bondage. You know, there are many today living in similar circumstances to Israel. In, to, in 2020, that's right. 
today there are people living in similar circumstances under communist leadership. There are some that, you know, if they earn a living, it's not much. Let's look at China, for example. In China, the average factory worker makes between 1,879 and 2,088 yuans. That equates to about 250, $255 to $283 a month. Could you imagine living on that for a month? Also in China, the average manufacturing employee in urban China, they'll make twice that much. Wow, they make $510 to $566 a month. And we think we've got it bad in America. In the Mariner's Museum in Newport News, Virginia, there is a special display for a rickety homemade aluminum kayak. This tiny little makeshift boat really seems out of place being displayed among all the impressive Navy vessels. But it is there. And it has a bronze plaque on it telling the story. In 1966, I was six years old, by the way, an auto mechanic named Loreno and his wife, Consolo, decided that they could no longer live under the oppression of Cuba's totalitarian regime. After spending months collecting scrap metal, they pieced together a boat just barely big enough for the two of them to get in. Then Loreno jury-rigged a small lawnmower engine on the boat for a motor, on the kayak, I should call it, and after months of planning on a moonlit night, they set out into the treacherous straits of Florida with only their swimsuits and they had enough food for two days. After 70 hours in that tiny little boat, the U.S. Coast Guard rescued the couple just south of the Florida Keys. Was it worth it? Loreno said, when one has grown up in liberty, you realize how important it is to have freedom. We live in an enormous prison which is called Cuba, where one's life is not worth one crumb, where one goes out into the street and does not know whether they will return home because the political, political police may arrest you without any warning and put you in prison. Before this could happen to us, he said, we thought that going into the ocean, risking death, being eaten by sharks, is a million times better than to stay suffering under political oppression. My friends, do we have that kind of desire for freedom? You know, all these things that I've spoken of thus far speak of societal freedoms or bondage. To have the freedom in our nation to do what we want to do. But you know, there are many other forms of bondage out there Amen. that even those living in a free nation like ours are in bondage to. And it's spiritual bondage is what I'm talking about. Sadly, many people choose to allow themselves to go into spiritual bondage. You might not find the exact phrase spiritual bondage in the Bible, but the Scripture does speak of people being in bondage to sin. Romans 6, 5-8 says, For if we have been united together in the likeness of His death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of His resurrection. 
knowing this, that our old man, the sinful man, was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. My friends, what are slaves? They are in bondage. So they are bondage in bondage of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him. Amen? So one can be in spiritual bondage. Jesus said in John 8, 34, Jesus answered them, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. So I'll ask you, are you in bondage or are you free? I hope you can say I'm free. But he says, whoever commits sin. I pray that we're not willfully committing sin, but we're imitating Christ and turning from sin. Amen. For the unsaved person, you know, sin is, it forms a chain. It forms a chain and it just, it, it binds us. You know, we may not be able to see that chain, but there is a spiritual chain that is as real as I am standing here before you today. Did it bind you? It, it holds you in its grasp? And it does not want to let go. But the only way that we can break that spiritual chain that has, has us bound is Jesus Christ. He will break the chains that binds us. He will break that spiritual chain that holds us in its grips. That's the only way that we can be released from it. Ephesians 4, 25-32 says, Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry, friends. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no more but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. What a difference that would make in our world, wouldn't it? Amen. What a difference that would make if we would no longer steal, that we would labor with our own hands. What a difference that would make in our nation if we would turn from our old ways and work with our own hands, work what is good. He says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. God, use this mouth. Use these lips to impart grace to those who hear what we say each and every day. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. We need to practice these things. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in, as God in Christ forgave you. Amen. My friends, if you want true freedom, forgive. Forgive one another, because if you hold bitterness in your heart, you are bound. If you hold anger in your heart, you are bound. If we have tenderness in our heart, if we have forgiveness in our heart, then we can be set free. 
we can have that freedom that Christ longs for each of us to have. People are held in bondage to such things as drugs, alcohol, sex, stealing. We could go on and on. We can be in in bondage to the material things of the world. So many things. John Newton was a man who knew both the bondage bondage of sin and the liberating power of the Holy Spirit. He was nurtured by a devout Christian mother who prayed that her son would become a preacher. But she died when John was a very young age. And he became a sailor. And after the example of his sea captain father, he eventually sailed for places where he believed he could sin freely, as he put it. He ended up on the western coast of Africa working for a slave trader who mistreated him. But after more than a year of abuse, he managed to escape from the island in 1747. The following year, his ship was battered by a severe storm, and Newton was reading The Imitation of Christ at the time. That was all one sentence. I kind of broke that up, didn't I? But he was reading The Imitation of Christ, and he became a Christian. However, he then served as a captain on a slave ship for six years. He hated his sin, and he turned to God for help and deliverance from the life that made him so much a slave of those he had as much of a slave as those he had captured. As he as he surrendered to God's control, God delivered him from the life of shame. He grew to the place where he became an outspoken opponent of slavery. He became known as the old converted sea captain. He began to preach and also began to write hymns that told the story of his spiritual journey. One day he sat down and wrote the words of the great hymn, Amazing Grace, which says, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. My friends, I'm going to pause because each and every one of us can say that. His grace saved the wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. T'was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. Let that sink in for a moment, friends. The hour I first believed, His grace appeared. I was saved at that very moment that I first believed. Amen? Amen? The very moment you said, Lord, forgive me, for I am a wretched sinner. Come into my heart. You are saved by His amazing grace. Near the end of his life, Newton suffered from bad health and failing memory. But he said, My memory is nearly gone, but I remember two things. That I am a great sinner, and Christ is a great Savior. If we remember nothing else, if our memory fades, I hope we remember that. That I am a great sinner, but my Lord Jesus Christ is a great Savior. He found liberation from the sin that bound them for so long. My friends, so can we. But we can only find it. We can only find freedom from that spiritual bondage through Jesus Christ. Because He is a great Savior. If we repent, we can find true freedom from those things that bind us spiritually. Let's turn to Romans 8, chapter, yeah, chapter 8, verses 1 through 15.
There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. My friends, there is the release. Jesus Christ has made me free from the law of sin and death. And He has made each one of us free from the law of sin and death when we believe on Him. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but to those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. When I read that, I think of baptism. We, we baptize, we put to death the old man, we bury him, we put him down in the water, and we are raised anew in Jesus Christ. We are a new creature. We are a new man and a new woman in Jesus Christ. But if the Spirit of, Spirit of Him, maybe I already read that, but I'm reading it again, who raises Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh to, give according, to live according to the flesh, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not re receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Amen. Glory. Glory be to God. We have not received the spirit of bondage but we have received the spirit of freedom, a freedom that we find in Christ Jesus, that we can say, Abba, Father, You are my Dad. You are my Father. You are my God. You are my Lord. He, is, he looks at us as His sons and daughters, Amen. our spiritual sons and daughters. It's how He looks at us, because He looks at us through Jesus Christ, the sacrifice that He made upon that cross. David knew this. In Psalm 119.45, David said, I will walk in freedom, for I have devoted myself to your commandments. You know, we live in this natural world, and it's hard for us to understand the things of God because many times it's backwards to the way we think. David knew that if he would devote himself to God, devote himself to God's commandments, that he would find freedom. But the world can't see that. My friends, if we devote ourselves to God, we commit ourselves to following His commandments, many people say, well, that's putting yourself in bondage because I am going to guide my own life and do my own thing. 
But when we submit to Him, we find the freedom that we really need. Amen. Until we find that, we're going to be in bondage. There is only one way to be set free, the freedom that we truly need, and that is through Jesus Christ and committing ourselves, our lives to Him. As the song said, we'll worship Him with our whole heart, our whole mind, and all of our being, everything that is within us, because as the song said, He deserves it. He deserves all of our praise. He deserves all of our worship. But He deserves that we would submit our lives unto Him. Amen. The only way we can find true freedom is by submission. Submission Amen. to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. He has come to set the captives free. But we have to reach out to Him, repent, and ask for His forgiveness. And we will find true freedom. Amen.